four. Podcast number four. Four. Podcast number four. I think the Stone Temple Pilots had an alcohol number four, but that's not this. This is very different. It's the podcast number four. Four. Not number four by the Stone Temple Pilots, which was their fourth album. Number four, podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Can we just have that running in the background, like, yeah. the whole hour? That'd be quite nice to see that. Like oh, I love it, yeah. Just every now and again, just dial it out. Yeah. I'm, uh... yeah. Sorry about that. <laughs> Welcome. Mm-hmm. Welcome. Do you, want, do you want to introduce our guests? No, you no? do it. You do it. Okay, so to my right, I have Mr. Graham May. Hello. At the mic, who's our guest for episode number four. It's definitely number four, because I just sang four. It's not, a it's shit not the fourth album by Stone Temple Pilots. No, I don't know where that came from either, sorry. <laughs> that was pre-Black Sabbath. Yeah. <laughs> so how would you, how would you um, des- describe what you do in a sentence or, or less? <laughs> Bloody hell. Um, lots of different things, I guess. Um, well, yeah, weird. Uh, I guess the day job for most of the part is... Bits of tour managing, bits of production managing, bits of guitar teching, that sort of thing. Then the other side of it, I guess, playing bass and producing and DJing and that stuff. So I guess it's kind of two different, yeah, paths <laughs> or something. Very cool. That's quite Very a li- cool. that's, that's quite a list. <laughs> <laughs> I know. That's just going through my head. I'm just trying to decipher all that. Yeah, I know. That's it. <laughs> that's, that's, um, so I don't know. So. Uh, the reason we got you on mm. is because you're definitely one of the more interesting people we know. Obviously, the most humble one. Yeah, yeah, so I was going to say that. The humility oozing from him. Yeah. But no, it's um, no, but you do you do loads. Yeah, I guess I, so. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. I'm not usually bored. No, yeah, good. <laughs> it's also a bit of a reunion because we've figured out you two haven't seen each other for 15 years yeah that's bonkers it's mad Literally how time goes by it really is that's crazy yeah yeah I remember I'm going to go I'm just going to I know we've been talking before we started doing <laughs> as we're setting up and there were some <laughs> cracking stories but <laughs> I remember watching you at the Nexus which is an old it's not down now yeah it's, it's flat, not there anymore it's, flat, yeah. it's not even there anymore playing with your band playing with your Warwick and I hope you find this as a compliment but I'm like I was like oh my god that's Southampton's Ryan Martini oh god <laughs> I love, I just, but back then I would have taken that as a massive compliment good I'm glad he's cool yeah. I like him I, I think he's yeah. amazing I, lo- I, lo- I love all that he does he's a killer player oh yeah but yeah, your, your bass technique back then for that particular band was um, I, oh yeah I, I liked that a lot yeah it was, it was very loud silly. and brash loud brash yeah and come 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 and real well, I didn't really know what I was doing because I, I just come back from living in London I've been to Bass Tech mm-hmm. and done like a year there and then I came to Southampton I was trying to find a band and I remember I was working at the dungeon you know oh, you were you, you were DJ no no not then I, I was behind the bar I just needed a job I didn't know anyone I thought I oh, know I'll get a job there because I've got they're playing metal music or something interesting and like I might meet people and like the first night I met that I went there, somebody kind of handed over a thing to the DJ to read out saying they needed a bass player for a new band. 
I was like, brilliant, get in. And like the guy had like a Mr. Bungle t-shirt on or something really mental. So I was like, okay, Perfect. this is going to work. I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I didn't really understand what metal was. I thought I did because, you know, I listened to some slightly heavy things. I thought, yeah, I know what this is. And I remember it wasn't long after that that I had to go and do the audition or whatever it was. And I turned up at the place. And for me at the time, it was probably the heaviest thing I'd ever fucking heard. <laughs> Just insane. But it was awesome. Was this the era of new metal? Are we, are we, yeah, it was. Are we talking corn and drop tunes. Yeah, exactly. And dreadlocks and yeah. Um, but I remember like they were detuned really heavily, and it was mental, chunky riffs, and it, yeah, it was pretty interesting. What's the name of the band? Failsafe. Failsafe. Yeah. Which is the band you saw? Yeah, Come. great. Yeah. That was a long oh, time ago. That's cool. So long. So long ago. Sorry. To bring up if they were bad memories. I hope not. No, 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 no not at all. <laughs> but just, no, they're just uh, another lifetime. Yeah, yeah, it yeah, is. It is one it. of them. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, the whole ne- the Nexus scene was. Oh, that must. I don't even know. That might have even died before I left for Australia. I don't know. Like, they probably, maybe, possibly. Hmm. Yeah, it's a shame. Yeah, there's a lot of good fond memories. Oh, there's of loads of cool, cool Fridays, Saturday nights there that, yeah, I probably shouldn't remember. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm interested, mm. Graham, because I've known you for probably that, probably 15 years, yeah, I reckon, probably. Like that, yeah. Um, and as soon as I met you, you were a guy that was very busy, you were very hard to get hold of because you're often out the country. <laughs> I mean, yeah. so, how's it going, Graham? Yeah, fun. Yeah, yeah, I'm in LA at the moment. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, more it's not than as fun. It but I'm interested. I'm, in, well, I'm interested in a lot of things, but I'm particularly yeah. interested in the bit before that. Okay. Basically, because like, um, really, I've never really spoken to you about your upbringing. How did you get into music in the first place? How did you start playing bass? How did it all? <laughs> where, where did where was all this born from? Okay. Um, wow. Can okay. I add, can I add in? Just a little tiny question in that. Yeah. Why bass? I'm always okay. I'm always curious why a bass player chooses chose a bass. Okay, it. cool. All right. Um, so I guess like um, weirdly, it probably started when I was about nine. We I've moved to the Isle of Wight with my parents a couple of years earlier. Obviously not on my own because I was nine. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I decided to learn the trumpet because some bloke had come to the school with a load of brass instruments and I thought that's interesting. Music's that's cool. quite fun, isn't it? I'll do that. So yeah, started off on trumpet. And then obviously went on to middle school because school system different on the Isle of Wight <laughs> and got into rock music and all the sort of things that happen when you become a teenager and, and, and all the rest of it. And to be honest, I, I wish it was a better story, but it's the same as everyone else's. I, I wanted to be a guitar player first and I wasn't very good at it. <laughs> I kind of want to say, no, I wanted to be a bass player from the out. Yeah, that, that's all. It, no, I wanted to be a guitar player. I was just rubbish. Um, <laughs> so I, I remember it was like my turn. Well, it was like my birthday, so I was, you know, I knew I could probably get something from, as a present. And my friends had all just got new guitars. It's like, oh, I guess I'm buying a bass then. Oh, it, wow. it, was, it was literally kind of that thing. Yeah. So it, like, it wasn't. It was cool. Yeah, no, I, you know I, I'm mean? the what? same. I think we both said in the podcast that we've done about mm. each other. We both said similar stories, man. But you it was like, a... but it was definitely two occasions. Like after I, I'd got the bass and I'd got bored of just trying to learn Nirvana covers or something, yeah. and. Uh, I remember one of them was there was this well actually I mean sidetracking a bit I, I had quite a big sort of Christian upbringing because my parents were heavy in the church and that and they took me to this see this like Christian Celtic rock band oh. Oh. yeah that already sounds cool yeah were they were they called Brussels Spaceship <laughs> no oh god wow that's yes. the name I haven't heard in the world yeah. no no they were, it's the only one I know they were, no, they were called Iona okay and I went and saw them at like Medina Theatre on the Isle of Wight and it was cool because it was like drums, guitars, a lot. For me, it was probably the first band I saw. But it was Nick Beggs on bass. Oh, wow. Yeah. 
so wow. and his bass playing just floored me yeah not, sure. you know there's the bass and there's the Chapman stick and he was just playing his ass off and I remember thinking to myself well I've got one of them at home yeah. why have I not been doing that with it <laughs> <laughs> you know so that, that was really inspiring and then I remember somebody gave me a Rage Against Machine tape and that was the first time I'd really been aware of slap bass being something that I liked <laughs> and I remember that what that again that's something I can do on that thing yeah, that I've yeah, got yeah, 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 yeah. and there was kind of those two connections at the time oh actually no bass is really bloody cool yeah I remember there being like this light bulb moment like, I'm not even interested in guitar anymore. <laughs> this is way cooler <laughs> so what, what was the bass what was your first bass do you remember um, I was a little bit spoiled in that regard I remember I was playing in a church band at the time so like I was borrowing the church Westone Thunder One or whatever it was <laughs> but I remember it was like a big birthday or something and my parents had saved up and I got like a I got the same Fender jazz bass I've still got that, that oh, Japanese really? 90s reissue no, ni- sorry that 90s Japanese 60s reissue so you kept it oh, yeah, I've sold it about eight times <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a boomerang bass yeah, it keeps coming back That's it good. does I can't get rid of it yeah, it keeps good. coming home which is kind of cool um, so yeah that was that bass <laughs> I'm gonna Aidan your first bass it was a it was a fen, it was a, fen, a squire P bass. Same here. Mm. Yeah. I still I've still got that too. Mm. Yeah. It's been, it's, been, it's had about a million different drawings done on it and sanded back and drawn on it again. Yeah, but you, always, the same you still got your first one. Yeah, they're black. It was yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah. amazing. Do they have character? Yeah, you know, after all of that. Yeah, I'll never get rid of it. All the dings and yeah, dings nonsense. and now, now mine's fretless and yeah, yeah. can't. It doesn't play for shit. <laughs> Your mind's not in a great shape at all, but I still love it. You know, everything's yeah. been bastardised, different bridges and a exactly. D tuner and everything it doesn't need, but it's great. Put the tuner, put the tuner in the uh, music man position. Yeah. <laughs> I did all sorts of crap I did to that thing, yeah. Anyway. So, so when was your first band? Wow. Um, when did you start first playing with other people? Hmm. Probably around that same sort of time, like when I was just becoming a teenager. But really uncool, it was in a worship band because all the church stuff so that was kind yeah. of what I did I cut my teeth playing like three or four gigs a week but they'd all be kind of in churches so it was kind ah, of but hot. it's still gigs it's yeah. still gigs man yeah it? you know yeah, yeah. Um, and it wasn't until I left that weirdly the reason I left that was I was again playing this church band at this big kind of Christian gig and I was playing bass in the band and I remember doing a bit of a talk saying you know I wasn't sure what I was up to and Steve Lawson was there doing sound wow <laughs> Wow, well, I, I knew you knew Steve Lawson, but I didn't realise that was the connection. Yeah, well, he, I think at the time, he had a partner at the time that was, um, I guess, like a singer-songwriter or something. I can't remember, but they were playing and he was there with them, you know, yeah. doing her sound. And I remember afterwards, like, him coming back to my house, I'd, I'd moved out of home. I, was, I guess I was like 17 or so, and I had my own little place. I remember him coming around to the house, and he must have been writing for like a guitar magazine or something, because he had this fretless... Uh, the modulus, modulus yeah, the yeah, V-Jazz. Yeah. He had that in his car and we were bringing it in the house and me and him just chatting bass for so long. I was like, oh, wow, it's actually a thing. It's, it's a legitimate job. <laughs> <laughs> I, could, I could actually go to college and study it. Huh. And, and like, he told me all about bass tech. I just wasn't aware of any of this really being an actual option. So, like, yeah, I remember then having a chat to my parents and going up and doing the audition and all that yeah. stuff. But, yeah, so, yeah, that's how I met Steve was when I was, oh. like, sort of 17, 18 or something, I guess. Because he's at your wedding, of course, wasn't he? He, played, he was he at my wedding, played, yeah. Played at wedding, didn't he? Yeah, well, he's cheap in an orchestra. <laughs> <laughs> and he probably plays as many notes. Well, that's what I was about, I was about to say the same thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, he, he was definitely a huge influence as well, in many ways, not just playing-wise, but personality-wise, and the way he approaches life in general. Mm. Yeah, he was yeah, very instrumental. He's a cool guy. 
He is a cool guy. <laughs> so you say you went, then you went to Base Tech. Mm, yeah, I did. How did you how did you find your year at Base Tech? Um, you we've both been to Base Tech. I was there for the degree as well. That's right, but probably it, just after you. Mm, yeah, it was, yeah, it, it was interesting because I really didn't know what I was expecting. I was, I had no idea. It was just I come from the Isle of Wight where I didn't know many bass players. I had my bass down by my ankles. I was using a plectrum. I had Nirvana scratched in it with a compass at school, you know. And I, everyone had like five or six strings. Their bases were like up around their neck like a bow tie and a slappity slappity. Yeah. And I, I was really intimidated, to be honest. I'd have been right there with you. But you I, I remember sitting like, in one of the rooms with like an instructor in it. Like, right, so, you know, what, here's an icebreaker. What's everyone's favourite Jacko song? And I'm like, Billy Jean. <laughs> <laughs> and I had no idea who they were talking about. <laughs> But yeah, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> no, but that's good, man. That's good. That's, that's equally as irrelevant. That's, you know, that's, that's more important. You know what I mean? I, I, to be honest, I prefer a Michael Jackson song over a Jacko song every day. <laughs> and I, and I, I consider myself a bass player. I definitely player, you know learned I mean? to appreciate loads more styles. Yeah. And Jacko was a thing I got into for a little bit. And yeah, I remember it being bonkers, like the whole slap bass thing. I remember seeing everyone doing that. I just couldn't get my head around it. It was like mm. this voodoo, like this black art. It's like, how the hell? What do they, why do they do that? And I just that? couldn't yeah, do it. The question is why. <laughs> yeah, why? <laughs> I don't really like this slap bass assessment coming up. I even remember sitting in, I, I was in like this vicarage where I was renting a room. It was really weird. I remember sitting there with a delay pedal trying to put on like this really weird setting to double up my speed so, <laughs> so people couldn't really tell that I didn't know how to play slap bass. <laughs> and I spent that long trying to figure it out. I probably could have just figured it out. <laughs> and then I remember when it finally clicked, I felt really cheated. I was like, oh. Yeah. Oh, it's kind of like playing bongos on the bass. Yeah, that's it. Oh, that's it. Oh, what? I said, in fact, <laughs> some of my, some of the best slap bass players I know mm. are not necessarily bass players they're drummers yeah, and they're just my brother he, mm. he, can, he plays he doesn't play bass he doesn't know an A from a D whatever. but he, when he gets on the bass because he's tapping and yeah. he can get all those mad syncopations and all the it's rhythms bonkers. and it's, it really it's, it's awesome to watch him go he doesn't know what he's doing <laughs> <laughs> but he just you know everything he does sounds like uh, my name is Mud yeah. he's just, you know, well he can, Mark King was a drummer first and Jacko was a drummer first mm. So there's got to be something to it. Well, but, there's yeah. the other, but there's the other thing, because obviously I did the trumpet first. They, they, there's quite a few brass players as well, isn't there? Like Jack yeah, and, true, and Flea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he loves his And I just have a theory of that, that we're just really lazy and we went in the wrong room. It brass and bass. They look the same, just ended in yeah. the wrong one. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I can't think of any other reason it happened. <laughs> just after brass, that's what it was. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah, that's probably, that's probably more than true. <laughs> okay, so you had your year um, at yeah. Base Tech. Yeah, so, and then... Moved to Southampton, joined Fails. So, so did you live in Southampton before Base Tech or was it no, Isle of Wight? No, no, no. Isle of Wight, <laughs> that's London, that's quite funny. Like I moved from the Isle of Wight to London and then my parents moved to Southampton while I was gone but I was so wrapped up in all my own nonsense like normal that I didn't really pay any attention to the fact they were moving house. I remember like phoning home to say I'm coming home for the weekend and someone else was living there. <laughs> And it's like, I remember being really offended and finally getting hold of my parents. So we did try and tell you. <laughs> yeah. Mum! Nope. I was like, oh, where are you? Like, we live in Southampton now. And I'm like, oh. oh yeah, that sounds like you might have told me that. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I moved back to Southampton after a bit, a bit of time in London. And yeah, that, that's kind of where all that sort of started, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then your first band was Failsafe in Well, no, there was, a, there was a band in London before I moved down. I, I briefly joined this band called Thorn in London. Thorn. Which that sounds was, like a metal band. No, it sounds. wasn't. I think, no. I think it's the furthest from that. It was, it was kind of commercial poppy indie rock oh, right. music. It was uh, Thorn. 
the probably the, the band you'd least imagine me playing in. So they, it was all very good and great players, but yeah, just not very me. So did you did you come out of um, bass set thinking right? I am now a bass player. My uh, my career is bass. I'm going to be a musician. This is me to up. No, I came out to be honest to start with, and this is no disrespect to to bass tech as a institution, but I came out feeling kind of disillusioned. Yeah. Because everyone else kind of stayed on to do the degree. Yeah. And you had all these great players, like people like Phil Mann and all these guys were just amazing players and they were doing a degree, they were doing all this stuff. And I just, it all just felt a little bit out of my grasp still. Okay. And I remember Um, leaving there thinking, yeah, I'm not going to do the degree because it's not my thing, you know. And I, but I still, yeah, I still had this passion to be a bass player. Um, I'm yeah. so um, massively interested in what you're saying <laughs> for the reason I went to the to an interview mm. process for it like no an open day it was mm. and, then, and then the interview at the end of the day whatever and I saw all these amazing things because I, I thought about doing it myself and I I, I was scared I was scared because uh, I don't know I've, but the thing the thing was I found it was actually really enjoyable but I was probably too young and in a weird place I'd, I'd kind of come from the Isle of Wight it, it was it was a massive Head fuck, to be honest. Massive culture change, social, yeah. so, social change, everything. Yeah. Everything. So, like, yeah, and I, I, I remember thinking about it. Like, I think if I'd gone to base tech when I was 24 or something, I think I may have got more out of it. And it was only later on in life when I started realising how much I learned there on all this stuff. Mm. Like, when you stuff, actually needed it. When I actually needed it, it was there. And it was like, no, they did instill all this stuff in me. Yeah. It's just at the time I was kind of an angsty teenager. That's exactly. I think, I think that's, yeah, I know that exactly. I know, you know exactly. It's easy to forget how young people are when they go to university. Yeah. Actually. They're different people so that when they actually need the stuff they've learned. Mm. And, and, and yeah, I definitely did learn a lot, but I think if my head had been a different place and I'd been a bit older, maybe I'd be able to take it more in. We all say, oh, oh man, I wish I'd paid more attention at school. Exactly. Yeah. It's that. exactly that. And I'm trying to instill my, my 12 year old boy mm. in that, that now. I'm trying to say, oh, man. And is it working? No, no, we didn't. We didn't listen. Why should he? <laughs> no, but you know, it's uh, so hard to say, it man. Really is, take yeah. it all in, man, because this is one chance now. Mm. Yeah. You're learning at the wrong time. You want to be learning in another ten years, but yeah, yeah. you'll have to pay for it then. What do you do exactly? <laughs> so it's hard, but anyone anyway, just good. So how did Thorn do then? Did it split up or? Sorry, Thorn. Don't actually know. That's oh, really you mean tip. I look like this is like one of those stories you might not be able to tell us. No, 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 not at all. Not at all. <laughs> I, I, I just kind of left, and I, I don't think. Yeah, accidentally. I don't really, the didn't really stay in touch. You know, that's all. I didn't okay, really stay okay. in touch with them. Okay, and then the job at Dungeon happened. Yeah, yeah and yeah. then Failsafe happened. Yeah. How did Failsafe do? It was fun. I remember, like any good local metal band or, or gig was happening, we tended get the good support so we did some out of town shows I remember at the time for my you know coming yeah coming from base tech where it all felt quite stifled being in this pretty aggressive and chaotic scene was wonderful mm. uh, yeah I definitely lapped it up <laughs> awesome. um, and so your, yeah. give me your highlight give me your um, like I don't know that sounds crap to what, say fail but safe highlight. yeah yeah fail safe highlight well that's probably giving the drum I think it was either the drummer or the guitar player driving lesson while recording. We're, we're not while recording, we were having oh. a break. Okay, I was like, Jesus, that's pretty <laughs> intense. But he was driving the car and I was on the roof shouting instructions through the sunroof. Uh, that's my favourite memory of that band. Perfect. <laughs> I had mad visions of you, of you carting like Wi-Fi microphones into the car and getting the bass in. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, that, that equally... 
Yeah. <laughs> so what happened there was it felt, how long were you in that band for what happened I don't know I mean it felt like an eternity but probably the reality of it was probably a year or two maybe mm-hmm. I don't know like yeah it's all a bit fuzzy and then, and then and dare I ask what, what happened why did you leave um, I got a job working for Warwick ah I see so I, I had been working in a guitar shop which isn't there anymore a guitar shop called Music World which is which is was in the East Street Centre yeah. which is when I first met you because you you sold me a jazz real book because I was just about to go to bass tech should I, I should probably remember that like it's <laughs> <laughs> well it was, it, was a, it was a big moment in my life <laughs> Aiden does this to me too. Oh shit! He's got he is he's good good memory. That's no, yeah, true. My memory's it's terrible. True. And, mine, and mine. You should probably be answering all my questions. <laughs> <laughs> you probably remember them better than I can. In 1982. <laughs> no, no. Oh yeah, I've just come from there. So yeah. So I left. Actually, no, I'm missing out a bit, and I should probably yeah. So when I was at Base Tech, I also was bar manager for a harvester because <laughs> I had to pay the bills, and I got bored of living in a vicarage <laughs> so I lived in the harvester I went to base tech and there was this chap that used to come in and drink in there um, I remember chatting to him and he, and he was like oh so what do you do and I'm like, oh musician I'm at college and I remember at the time he said what do you play and I just said guitar didn't say bass because yeah. I just assumed in general people didn't yeah. really and I remember him looking at me and he was like that doesn't look like a guitar I think my case was down that's a bass yeah. he's like to say you're a bass player Oh, okay, I'm a bass player. Good, me too. And he was a chap called uh, PJ Phillips. And at the time, he was playing bass for Vanessa May and Tom Jones and all these... Oh, wow. Yeah, he was a big-time session player. Yeah, magic. But he was like a regular at the bar. And I remember like going to watch him play. And this was the first time I'd been blown away by the sound of a bass, as in tone-wise. Mm-hmm. I'd gone to watch him play this gig, and he had this Warwick stack. Like this massive Warwick rig. It was the biggest thing I'd ever seen anyone play bass through. With the big W's on the grill. Yeah, you know, yeah. two cows, big yeah. head. And he had one of these Warwick dolphins. And I remember the sound just being the punchiest, coolest thing. It, it, so, yeah, so we got chatting. And then he ended up hooking me up with them and getting me some kind of deal at the time. Oh, wow. Whilst Were you I, in a band at the time? This is whilst I was playing in Thorn, that band I was talking about. Oh, okay. So okay. this was kind of all happening around then. Then that kind of fizzled out. I moved to Southampton, worked in the guitar shop. We sold Warwick, so I was still in touch with Warwick. And yeah, they offered me a job. So I left Failsafe, left Southampton, went to London, lived on my friend's sofa for a bit and worked at Warwick, which was, yeah. That okay. was, that was doing a, what, doing sales or doing, well, doing production I was or supposed manufacturing? To be doing, or? I was supposed to be doing sales and stuff, but again, mo- again, I was incredibly immature and didn't deserve the job. <laughs> uh, and most of the time it was just dicking about in the warehouse. <laughs> um, <laughs> and... Yeah, they, yeah, it was a fun time though because I got to play with basses all the time and talk to bass players. And yeah, what was, what was your yeah, official yeah. title? I don't remember. What was, what was on your business card? Hi, I'm Graham May. I work for Warwick. I do. I actually don't know. <laughs> I, I'm Graham I think May. It was something like it should have been sales or. But you were the you were the fastest guy on the sack trucks, the, <laughs> yeah. the trolley jack, exactly in, yeah. in the warehouse. I, I, yeah, I, I could stack pack, piles of gig bags faster than anyone. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, good days. So, yeah, so that, that was kind of fun. So, yeah, so that's why I went there, was to do the Warwick thing. And then kind of came back and forth to Southampton and ended up leaving that job. Okay. How long, how long were you there for, do you? Uh, less than a year. Okay. Definitely less than a year. Maybe, like, six or nine months, even. Is it because they kept catching you dicking around in the warehouse? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, um, it was just because it was too far away from home. I had a girlfriend. I was trying to do the fail-safe band thing. And it was okay. just all too much. I remember... I came back home, 
weirdly went back to that guitar shop and worked there for a bit. All right. And then after that, yeah, I can't remember how anything happened and what order it happened in. <laughs> <laughs> and there ended to me. Yeah. <laughs> and then there was some years. Yeah, there was some kind of wandering in the wilderness. Yeah, that's, um, <laughs> that's good. Yeah, no, I, I can't actually think what happened then. I, a bunch of, I, you know, I left that guitar shop after a while, did a bunch of normal jobs, you know, like people do. Yeah, uh, do, you remember, what, do you remember any? Yeah, work, worked in Jacaranda, a hippie shop. Oh, okay. All it right. was amazing. Like, the most stressful thing was trying to work out how to put the joysticks in alphabetical order. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that, that was kind of perfect. That's pretty intense, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then I, I left that to go and work at Lush and put soap in order. So that was nice too. So lots of jobs with nice smells. Lots um, of retail. And order. Yeah. It's good. And so this is where it kind of probably gets interesting. So... <laughs> All right, we'll just delete the bit before. Just, yeah, everything before that's nonsense. But, um, so yeah, I guess around this time, um, I'd started getting obsessed with psychedelic music and psychedelic culture. And uh, got really into the band Osric Tentacles. Okay. Because their music just was like nothing I'd heard. It was like progressive, but modern, electronic. It was just bonkers. Yeah. And I remember being around this time, I was working at Lush, and I got a phone call to go to their studio. I'd been, I'd been pestering them, sending them like... Like an idiot, like sending them CVs. Oh. I want to be your bass player. Oh, no yeah. need. They already had a great bass player, you know. But sending them everything, and then I thought, no, oh, I know. I'll put a gig on. At least I can meet them. So I remember trying to put on. It was stupid. I oh, so like, became a promoter just to book the band. Yeah, that was the first one I promoted was to do this, and I was trying to book. I think, God, I was really young. I was trying to book the Guildhall with Bill Bailey, Hawkwind, and Osric Tentacles as a lineup. Which oh, we, tell me this happened. No, of course it didn't. <laughs> on so many levels, that would never work. But, but, but bloody good effort. Yeah, nevertheless. But you know? I was just clutching straws because I really wanted to meet the band. You know, I was a fan. <laughs> so eventually, I think they must have got bored of me spamming or something, or something had happened, and I got this phone call and said, "You." I think it was from like their booking agent even saying, "Do you want to, to, you know go and meet them?" You know. So. Well, and what kind of what kind of um, scenario as a fan meeting a band scenario or more or more like an equal? Uh, I didn't kind really of thing? know. It was a very confusing phone call, as many phone calls did it be- in that scenario. Did it become apparent or no? Well, so I I left work. They're like, "Where are you going? Yeah. <laughs> I've got you to go." Must, it must have been over the moon. <laughs> yeah, I was. I, I, I didn't know what to do with myself. You know, yeah. I was listening to Osric's at work while the phone call happened. So I remember getting, <laughs> get, go, going home. And like my wife Chrissy was like, "Where are you going?" I'm like, "I've got to drive to Frome." She said, "Do you mean Frome? Yeah, wherever." <laughs> <You know? laughs> She's like, "It's quite a long way." I, That's fine. I've got a postcode. I'll figure it out. <laughs> you know, threw my base in the car. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's weirdest. It's still the weirdest experience ever, actually. So that's what happened. What you, yeah, finally found the place and Ed and his. So Ed, Ed, so for the for the non Osric mm. initiated yeah, Edwin, who is you know is Osric Tentacles. Okay. In, in, well, in many ways, you know, he's a founding member and he's still doing the thing, kind of like you know mastermind. So he must have been a bit of a hero of yours. He really was. Yeah. You know, that's that's the thing. So I get there and him and his then wife Brandy were there and they met me and we went in. And it was just, yeah, it was bonkers. It was mad. It was so weird. It very quickly transpired they didn't want to do a gig with Bill Bailey and Hawkins. Or, or, or whatever it was. It might not even be But the fact was they were having a bit of a line-up shuffle. A lot was changing in their world. And they were changing everything. And they needed a new bass player. There you go. Yeah, but uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. That's hold on. pretty... It's not like every day someone works in Lush and then gets a phone call basically asking them for an audition to join their favourite band. There must be... So how, oh, yeah, but how many, how many bass players do you think were spamming Osric Tentacles to tell them that <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that. but that doesn't advertise you as a good bass player. That advertises you as a nutjob, and no one wants yeah. a nutjob in their band. Well, 
uh, well, no, yeah. <laughs> but, but I think maybe it was just a case of maybe they wanted to see if I could actually play after sending him all these stupid emails and being a bit of an idiot maybe it was just a case of well might as well see if he could if he, probably, he probably knows the stuff well, yeah do you know what I mean? maybe it was a bit I don't know but they were, you know it was great it was so welcoming and it was lovely and um, we plugged my bass in and we had a bit of a jam and he liked the sound of it I was still playing the Warwicks you know and then it became apparent that there was a tour coming up really soon and they had a a session player from the States coming over that knew Brandy and he was going to play bass for that tour. Mm-hmm. It had already been decided. So they said, would you like to be guitar tech for this tour? I was like, well, oh. I've never done that. They were, well, why don't you tech? We'll teach you what to do. And just, you know, the guy was called Justin, this other bass player, just keep an eye on Justin, you know, watch what he's doing, you know, and when this tour finishes, let's see what happens. Because he was only there for the tour. Wasn't yeah, they, okay. yeah, that was he it. Was he, was, he was only ever there to do that. And he, he's such a good bass player. Do you still, still keep in touch with him? Or? No, and I wish I could remember his surname. <laughs> but I'm terrible with names. But yeah, he was a monster player. I remember being so intimidated by yeah, him. Yeah. Like, it's like, oh God, it's back to base tech days. There's some <laughs> yeah. guy out there shredding, and I'm like, oh no. <laughs> so you're sat there, mm. and they're offering this to you. Yeah. Well, they're, they're, yeah, kind of, yeah. You know, it's kind of mind your, your mind is going, blah, 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 yeah, it's like, going. Five hours earlier, I was stacking some soap. <laughs> you know, in order. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> Um, and I'd only been married about a fortnight, I think. So that was kind of weird too. Oh, yeah. Well, and what, a fortnight married, then you had to go away on tour with so, them. So then I went back to Lush the next day and quit my job. <laughs> but I didn't tell my wife, which was really bad. We're much better at that sort of thing now. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't even really tell her. I just came home and she was like, so, you know, how's your day? Yeah, cool. I quit my job. I'm going on tour with Austin Tentacles, you know. Uh, where, was the, where was the tour? Did it, uh, Sorry? Where, where, where was the tour to? It, it was a European tour. So it went all over the place. I've never wow. been on a European tour. No. Magic. No. Uh, so how, how, how was... And all that stuff, you know, and being, yeah, mind-blowing, mind-blowing. Yeah. How was your wife's reaction then? Well, I, when I met her, I obviously been going back and forward to London doing so I was always doing gigs and she kind of knew that was kind yeah. of what I did I've always been a musician so it wasn't that big an upheaval thing okay. but having just been married maybe it was quite a the thing to do yeah, yeah. very exciting though very exciting so that's that's the initial that's how everything kind that's of, the instigator yeah. from there you so yeah I mean from, from there it, it was quite it's quite a bit more straightforward I think so like Eventually, I ended up leaving the band through many reasons, uh, which probably shouldn't go into. But <laughs> um, <laughs> that makes me think we should probably definitely go into them. <laughs> yeah, probably not. Um, to be, no, in, in all honesty, again, I'm using age as an excuse, but I think I thought things were very different than they were. I'd never been on a tour, never been in a proper band that were yeah. doing stuff with albums out. Yeah. I think I was expecting things to be very different. Things were organised probably differently to how. I would like them to have been mm-hmm. and it, it just ended a bit weird so I left you know okay. that's probably the best did you think maybe it would be more glamorous than it was no I just no 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 <laughs> <laughs> so it's <laughs> keep, keep asking me you're not so I leave that <laughs> they had a sound guy this, a, a chap called Haggis oh he's Scottish right please sorry was he Scottish of course yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'd not love only it. no French yeah, <laughs> not I'd only love- was he like a killer sound guy, <laughs> but this absolute monster bass player. Ah. So he he joined the band. I quit, and they were like, "What are we going to do?" So he became the bass player for mm-hmm. a bit. How and long? How long were you with them? I also, to be honest, it, it was only a couple of years on and off. Like I only did like a U- UK tour, 
then like a handful of shows that were on and off. But yeah. it, because I did that big chunk of teching first, and then it, it felt like a much bigger chunk of my life than it probably was, yeah. in all fairness. Um, I certainly probably was in the band a lot less than most of their bass players, because I've had a few. Yeah. So anyway, so Haggis joined on bass, and then I got a message from Haggis. He said, how's things? You know, how are you doing? I'm like, well, yeah, okay, I guess. I'm kind of sitting here twiddling my thumbs looking for a day job, you know, I'm mm. not doing this. And he's like, well, weirdly... Um, do you want to go on tour of Black Label Society supporting Black Sabbath and I was like well yeah well, that sounds like a laugh doesn't it um, <laughs> so he had yeah. previously done sound and a bit of tour managing I think for them so that's what he'd done on and off and they'd messaged him saying he needed a new crew and he's like well I can't I'm playing bass for Osrix now but their bass player just left and he was a tech for a bit uh, he would probably be good at this and it was bass teching for James Lomenzo, okay. who was playing Warwick basses and Ashdown amps, which is what I was actually doing at the time, I think. So it, was, it, it yeah. made complete sense. I understood still all the gear. slotting into... Yeah. Well, were you still kind of involved with Warwick at this point, even Nivers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're still chatting to him, so even... I, so yeah, because I've been playing Warwick all through the sort of Osric stuff. And yeah. then I think when Osric's kind of finished, I still played their basses, but I was playing Ashdown amps. Okay. I think something like this... I don't know, but yeah. <laughs> um, so that was fun. I went out with Black Label Society. So, so, I, so where was this? Where, where were they? Playing? This was uh, again a European tour. Okay. And I mean, that, obviously, Osrix was a big step up for me because I hadn't done anything. But this was yeah. like, oh god, you know, big festivals, arenas, yeah. supporting Black Sabbath, Aussies, the Sharon's. Yeah, there, you know, it's, it was a Sharon. <laughs> and I remember just not really knowing what the hell I was doing. And it's wild. Well, well, I, well I, so I, I was working for James, but I remember like, like every, all the gear would load in. I just didn't know what any what what you do. I don't know how it's all yeah, works. Yeah, but there's no like, there's no rule book. Yeah, you go you go on a course to learn how to cook, but you don't go on a course to learn how to do this stuff. So how how do you just kind of they, they had this guitar tech that was looking after Zach at the time. He was yeah. doing all guitars on stage left, and I was stage right with the basses. And I just kind of watched him and blagged it so, a bit, wow. and we'd ask questions. Is trying it, not to let my cover be blown. I had no idea what I was doing. I just—is it—is it a case of uh, obviously you tune, yeah, mm. restring, mm-hmm. look after the equipment, yeah, make sure all the settings are done, make sure his mic's in the right position. Yeah. That, it's it's all those things that you probably think. What is there? What else is there? What else is there? Is there the other stuff like? Supplying the and all that sort of it depends on rock and roll. It's all very different, and it, yeah, it does depend on the band yeah. and, and their needs. But like, I, I know a lot of people that are great luthiers and great amp technicians and all that stuff. But it does I don't know that that would mean they'd make a great tech. No. The best techs I know aren't necessarily the best techs. Yeah. <laughs> They're just the people that you can hang with and the people that people the band can ask to do whatever not like that but just people you, that you can sit with a bus yeah. you sit on a bus and chill have a yeah because like 8-90% of it must be just sat around yeah and yeah. you know if you're actually living in the same space as your boss 24-7 you kind of got to get on with them a bit yeah yeah, yeah. you know it, exactly which leads to all sorts of issues obviously and all sorts of dramas and you know being on roads hard you know and artists and crew and everybody has their vices they have stuff that they do and you kind of just kind of be cool and realise everyone has their own thing they're going through, you know, mm-hmm. and yeah, some guys can't really deal with that, they, you know, <laughs> they didn't have the social skills to understand that or something, I don't, I don't know, <laughs> oh, I don't yeah, know what I'm saying. I imagine it's intense, it's and very, a lot of people can get kind of swallowed up in it quite. It's incredibly tense, and it definitely, there's many times when it was too much, 
you know, there's definitely times on tour where I wanted to come home or I didn't want to do it anymore or yeah, even worse, yeah. you know, there, yeah. there's definitely some very, very dark times because, I mean, you're, I mean, for me, obviously I've got kids, got a wife and you're away for a long time. Uh-huh. That's the big one. Uh, I just think yeah. That's the big one. And some of the days can be really, really long days. I mean, sometimes you'd be loading in at 9.30 in the morning but you're not back in your bunk until 4am. So to take you us know. through, there's not I was going to ask you, take us through a typical day. Again, it depends on the band and, and mm-hmm. on the tour. You know, I've worked with a bunch of bands now, but I guess, I don't know. I mean, load in at whatever time you're allowed to, depending whether you're a headliner or support band, load in, do the thing, set up all their gear, make sure everything's working. Um, depending on the band, probably sound check for the band as well. A lot of bands don't do that. So yeah, yeah. just make so sure. So what's the band doing at this point? Chilling in the hotel room? Yeah. Um, sometimes they'll come to a sound check, but usually they'll come sort of later on. Yeah. Um, yeah, just absolutely troubleshooting every single part of the rig. Wow. So that when showtime happens, I have to spend as little time on stage as possible. Yeah. Because, yeah, that's not fun. Because 10 minutes, well, sorry, 10 seconds on stage fixing a problem feels like oh, an that's hour. horrible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> even, so I, I try to avoid those happening. <laughs> even when you're in a band yourself and your lead goes or something, or one of your pedal leads comes out and you can't see it immediately, it's mm. just like, come on. And then you're just trying to look. And and, and you always assume the horrible. worst. Like, yeah. You always assume your, your amp's dead. Yeah. When actually your cables just, just come you, out. Your cable, cables <laughs> come out of the bass. Yeah, I've done that a million times. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah. <laughs> so is there, is there a repetitiveness to it? Is there a point where you you've kind of forget where you are, what the yeah, venue yeah, yeah, is, yeah, because yeah, everything's the same? Yeah, yeah. They, 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 definitely. Like they, I found again, it depends on a band, depends on a tour, depends yeah. on the vibe. Every tour is different and the same. But yeah, I mean, I was going to ask. Like you get to see the world, but you don't see the world. You see black venues yeah. and a dressing room yeah. and a, and a petrol station with a dodgy ham sandwich <laughs> and another airport. Yeah, um, but people are just speaking a different language, and you need a different currency in your pocket. It does, it can get like that, you know, if mm-hmm. you don't remember to kind of take some time and have a look at where you are and appreciate. Oh God, I'm in Russia. This is weird. Cool, let's have a look. Mm-hmm. You know, um, even though it's a cool job, did you ever have moments where you thought this is just like another? This is day job. Oh, there's is plenty it? of jobs. That's like plenty of times when I felt like that. Yeah, definitely. And there's times when I thought it was worse. Yeah, certainly times when I wasn't enjoying the tour or the band I worked for. I didn't like them as people or something. And I remember thinking, God, I wish at five o'clock I could just turn it yeah. off. Yeah, but I can't. I, I I'm in like a few meters proximity constantly. Yeah, especially on a bus. You know, and that that that, that could be kind of weird. Yeah, Yeah. So how, how did you get to meet Ozzy Osbourne? Sorry? How did you get to meet Ozzy Osbourne? Or was he, was he kind of shielded away? He wasn't really shielded, but I was, not really. I was kind of busy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, you had to do your job, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was trying to work. I had no time for Ozzy. That's Tuning guitars and things. Yeah, and, yeah no, fair yeah. enough. I can imagine but, that's how it is. But, I bet, it, but it was cool because I actually got to do another Sabbath tour later in my career when I was, I was working with Lamb of God. And they were touring with Heaven and Hell, which is obviously Sabbath with Dio. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of cool. I got to do a tour with Ozzy and a tour with Dio. So I'm quite oh, happy wow. about that. That feels good. Yeah. So is it a case of you, you're in the loop kind of then? And you're kind so. of known for doing it a yeah, bit. So. so I guess, yeah. So like after the Black, Black Label Society thing, James, the bass player, then joined Megadeth. And he took me with him, kind of, you know, when he needed yeah. somebody and I was available. He's a really nice guy. He's lovely. When you brought him over here, so I, I, can't, I can't imagine there would be worse people to do your first take. He's literally with. one of the best human beings on the planet. So yeah. yeah, yeah, I definitely, definitely can't say enough good things about him. But um, <laughs> yes, yeah, so I went with him to Megadeth for a bit. Then I, funnily enough, 
all these bands kept asking me to work for them full time, you know, do the full thing rather than just like the one tour I'd been asked to do. But I was still desperate to be a musician and I just started playing bass in that band, The Black Hand with Rob Chapman. Yeah, and yeah. I thought things were happening. And the Canadian, um, the, what was he on? Oh, he's on Canadian Pop Idol. Idol. Yeah. yeah, he was singing. It was, you know. That's a good band. I like but, that band. But I remember at the time desperately wanting to be a musician. I don't want to be a tech, I want to be a musician. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember just finishing off this Megadeth tour. I remember like Dave saying to me, like, why don't you stay? Uh, so, oh, I want to be a player. I want to be a player. I can't. I want to be doing what you guys are doing. Yeah. So I remember. Then? So I remember that the first few bands I worked for, I only ever did like a tour, maybe another one later. You know, but it was always like, no, no, no. I'm a bass player. I'm a bass player. I'm not a tech. And I remember that being a constant battle for quite a while. And then I do remember eventually just giving in, going, do you know what? There are much worse day jobs than being a guitar technician yeah. or a stage manager or whatever. <laughs> but presumably, doing that full time means less time at home. Way less time at home. Yeah. 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 So yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think. Yeah, it's hard just trying to remember everything. So did you go straight from Black Label Society to Megadeth because James left the band, went from one to the other, and you kind of went well. Away. Again, I was only ever really doing that one tour for Black Label Society. I was filling in. You know, it was kind yeah, of a yeah. last minute thing. So I was never really expecting anything after that. Um, and then I think that's when I started working at Fret Music when, uh-huh. I, met, when I met you. No, I met you in music store. You saw me real quick. No, but I met, <laughs> when I met you in my head. Uh, <laughs> and that was really funny. I remember getting off of that job, like in the middle of the night, meeting Scott, the manager, like down Shirley High Street, both of us really drunk, and him asking me if I wanted to work in a guitar shop. And I had to start the next day, and I didn't remember any of it. In the morning, my wife was like, Do you remember you got a job yesterday? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Uh, so, yeah, I was there for quite a while. You were there for a few years, weren't you? Yeah, yeah but then uh, tours would come in and go, and I'd That's true, yeah. T- yeah, so that's kind of how that out. did. Yeah, that's that, cool. that worked for a bit. Mm-hmm. No, I remember Fret. Mm. Fret was a sanctuary for a lot of people. Wasn't yeah, it? yeah, it was a great place. Yeah, yeah, you it know. was good fun. That's it. Is um, it's long gone. It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That went a, uh, a while ago. Yeah. That's how much I don't know. <laughs> I've been away that long, but anyway. <laughs> so, are you doing much playing? Tell us a bit more about the Black Hand. How did that form? So, yeah. So this was, I guess. Uh, yeah, after I was Ricks, wasn't really playing. And there was an advert out, and I guess something on, however you found stuff online. Because the internet didn't really exist back then, did it? Sorry? Did the, did the free inter- ads. Was it, was it free ads? Then, or was it being- oh, no, the internet definitely existed. <laughs> <laughs> it's like 2004 or something. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah, but, but it was like a, a, it was all out of a, an online classified thing. Somebody was looking for a bass player. And, it was, and I remember it saying, like, to audition in front of a director of Universal Records. And I was like, wow, that sounds cool. So I went up. And the director was actually the drummer in the band. And the audition <laughs> was in his shed. <laughs> but it was wicked. And they were all super cool guys. And we got on. And uh, yeah, and that happened. And that was fun. We did quite a lot of gigs with that. And that was good fun. Yeah. 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 I saw you at Talking Heads. Did you? I did. You were really good. You were really good. Well, you had a massive backdrop. Oh, yeah. We, we, we did do everything overboard. Definitely at that point in all of our careers back then where we thought we had to spend a lot of money and lots of things to try and make things happen. But I do remember, I mean, don't get me wrong, the songs were cool. And like I said, at the time, my drummer was working at Universal. Um, we had Eddie Kramer produce the music. That's correct. We record, That's right. We recorded at Abbey Road. Yeah. That's um, pretty cool. That's cool. One of the songs was written by, um, well, the lyrics are written by um, Pete Brown, who did the cream lyrics like the whole thing like our manager was managing thin- everything was right you know yeah. but still nothing happened nah. so it kind of got to a point where I was like maybe we're just not writing good enough songs you know if everything's, that's what it, it was I, I don't know but in my head I was thinking well everything's in place 
and we've got all these gigs we've done a tour with Duff McKagan we've done a tour with some other band things were cool but nothing was happening that we weren't putting in place ourselves so it kind of got to the point where like, uh, actually no one okay. gives a damn unless we're making it happen yeah I don't know if that was the case but at the time that's definitely how I felt so I left <laughs> mm. interesting can we can we play some The Black Hand can we yeah if you well, really I don't have any. do you have any Online, probably somewhere. Like, okay, all right, okay. We'll okay. We can if find I, some. If I can find some online, then you'll hear it now. Everyone knows you hate to admit it. Tune your heart and your hurt when you spit it out. Well, get over the hope. I'm so broken, you busted up. But you know you'll choke if you don't. Take a page from the book of your brother. Don't be afraid to stop and look at what your mother sees. Just a boy with no joy. Oh, beauty inside. A black box full of toys. Phantom money is mine. With visions of sex gone psycho. You last back your self-respect just a mango. Never to pull the blues from your mood again. Now, you may or may not have enjoyed that. <laughs> <laughs> but not because it was a game, because I couldn't but find like, it. But weirdly, so, so the guitar player in that band, Rob Chapman, I mean... I was watching him on um, YouTube last night. I remember being in the band, and he always had a camera with him. He was like, filming everything for YouTube, which I still didn't understand. I didn't know what YouTube was. It just looked like a glorified version of you being framed on the yeah, 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 I, didn't, yeah. I didn't know what it was for but he was filming everything rehearsals he had his channel and I just thought it was cringeworthy and awful and I hated it and he was, and he wanted me to do some videos and I did some really weird face videos for him online <gasps> I haven't seen these yeah no, are they still out there no I had to take them down oh. my children learned how to use the internet and I wasn't wearing any clothes <laughs> in any of them <laughs> I did a whole series of naked bass lesson videos. Totally the interest Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but anyway, there's so going to be some hacking going on, yeah. on, on, on yeah. our part later. We're going to be finding those somewhere. Oh, if you can, I'd love to see them. They're really quite wrong. Um, but anyway, so yeah, so Rob was doing that filming. I didn't really get it. And then obviously now he's like the biggest oh, YouTube music sensation. I saw him at the NAM show this year and I. I might he, has own, he has his own line of guitars. He has his own line of guitars, there? which I believe, and he's one of the biggest manufacturers of guitars in Europe now. <gasps> wow. And when I was at NAM, like, the cue to see him was as, as big as it was to see anyone else. That's amazing. He, that he has done the thing, and he's got it right. You know, he connects with the people, that, you know, the whole sort of crowd designing guitar thing. Is, I think that's how he started, yeah, you know, building yeah. one together. And he just has this really great connection with them all. So and he's good in camera as well. He's incredible at all that yeah. stuff. It's not my path. That's not where I'm at. And I, I you know, but brilliant. You know, like, it's quite astounding to see how well he's doing and fair play to him. Yeah? Yeah, and he's got a good band. And, you know, and yeah, he, I think he's, this week he was in the States doing stuff at Guitar Centre and, yeah. What's it, what's it? Do- Georgia. Do- Georgia, yeah. Yeah, that yeah. good. Yeah, that was good. Have you had it? Yeah. No, no, no. We probably can't play it due to copyright reasons. I'll play it to at the end. Okay, thank you. I thank you. We had the point. The point that's halfway. We had the point. The halfway point. Point. That is halfway. James Brown. So yeah, I guess. So yeah, after that, um, we actually at the time we'd supported Firebird at the joint. Oh yes. And then after I left the Black Hand. Bill from Fiber got in touch with me, asked me to audition. He's another really nice guy. He's lovely. 
He is Because really yeah, I met him, yeah, you introduced me to him as well. It's ridiculous. I mean, I hope he's not listening to this, but as far as I'm concerned, he's. I can't think of many guitar players in the world that are better than him. Oh, no. no I when it that. comes to phrasing, when it comes to technique. But again, he's the most humble person. He's, like, he's got the ability, but then he's got what is beyond ability yeah. as well. He's one of the most musical people yeah. I, I've, I've ever met. And whether it's doing like the stuff we did with Firebird, or whether it's doing Carcass on Napalm Death, or any of that stuff, he's, it's a privilege just to watch him play guitar. Um, as much as I'm not a fan of death metal, and it drives me insane, just <laughs> being able to watch him play guitar with that stuff. Yeah. yeah ins- but Firebird was his own band rather than That being- was, yeah. And it was kind of more like a, like a sort of hard rock trio. And so it was. Uh, I always thought a bit like Cream. Yeah, maybe. Right? I think. I think later on, I think Bill and and Ludwig, the drummer, who was in Spiritual Beggars at the time, they kind of saw it going towards being more of like a classic hard rock, new wave of British heavy metal kind of thing. Because okay. that's where their heads were at. Mm. Um, but yeah, there was definitely a lot of blues rock elements in there, without a doubt. You yeah. know, but yeah, it was a great band to play in, and that just eventually fizzled out because Carcass reformed after a big gap so Bill was obviously busy doing the carcass thing I think Ludwig ended up joining Grand Magus touring with them and then I was working for the band Ghost I'd started doing like, tour managing and guitar taking for Ghost so we were just all too busy and that kind of, so it just kind of ran its course can you, yeah. can you explain to us in a nutshell tour, tour managing what does that involve again depending on the band <laughs> in many scenarios it's babysitting grown men <laughs> I was just about to say is it a case of just getting guys where they need to be <laughs> I mean, at a specific time and instruments I, in hand my, my level of tour managing isn't up there you know, the bands that I've tour managed has been in, in a splitter van go around Europe it's that, that kind of thing um, but yeah it is a case of making sure everybody knows what's going on making sure everything runs down to like I guess sorting out ferries sorting out flights sorting out visas that's, that's a lot of that's a lot of logistical currency logistical Collect, yeah collecting yeah. fees talking to promoters getting everyone's money sorting out oh, wow. everyone's rider all that sort of stuff and back then also driving the van and tuning guitars you know <laughs> oh so you're still taking was... with some bands you'd be yeah. doing all of it you know um, but then obviously on a higher level there's all sorts there's production managers there's tour managers there's production assistants there's all sorts of stuff mm-hmm. um, and in, on that level a tour manager is very much their job is just making you know they're, they're making sure everything you need is there That that's just it in a nutshell really I guess that's quite a different set of skills from being a tech yeah yeah it is it is so so was it was it that when you were out on the road being a tech you were kind of watching these guys and acquiring these skills and learning how to do it and then thought okay, a I little bit it. I think when I first did a tour managing thing Again, I think I just blagged it and said I could do it and I'd never done it before. <laughs> <laughs> that was for Orange Goblin, but I probably shouldn't say that. <laughs> yeah, I remember, yeah, just, I, I, in fact, I know exactly how this all happened. So, yeah, on a, on a tour of Firebird, on a, on a tour bus, and kind of seeing how things were running, because it was us and Orange Goblin and another band were on tour, and just thinking the crew at to- in place at the time, they were good, but... In my head, I could just think, hey, this could be slicker. This, this, could, could, be, this, this could be a better oil So that whole yeah. tour, there's this whole thing running around in my head, and I started this hard road touring company when I came home from that. Oh, yeah. Okay. So that, that, that's when I decided I was going to start tour managing. I was going to, I bought backline. I was hiring out backline, driving vans, just trying to do the whole, you know, the whole shooting match that way. And yeah, I just learned by 
making loads of mistakes. <laughs> You've been out on tour and making way, Black way. Sabbath, so you, you'd seen it done to a high level. I had, but I had, yeah, but only from one side of it. I'd only yeah. seen a very small angle of what they do. And, it, yeah, of course, once you start doing that stuff, you realise how mad a full-time tour manager's job in a high... You know, I, I, I couldn't do it to the level of some of the guys I've worked with. Definitely not. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that, I guess. <laughs> wow. I always remember watching um, Primus video. Mm. And was it Trows? Chapel Trows was their tour manager, I think. <laughs> but he just looked like he just looked like carnage. <laughs> it, it, he just he just looked like he couldn't arrange anything. But <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean. And it just looked. But he, again, you just look like that guy you could quite happily hang out with. Yeah. And some, sooner or later, stuff gets done and all that sort of stuff. But well, well, funny enough, that's kind of how I feel like the Carcass crew. So obviously, that's the last band I worked for most was Carcass, and. Um, they've got a front of house guy doing the sound they've got a lighting guy but they're hilarious like the lighting guy Swiss Chris with his broken English and <laughs> mental hair and lederhosen uh, <laughs> generally no shirt on or shoes or something he's just out there he's amazing and then AK whose real name is Chris but he calls himself AK he's Belgium because his parents used to call him Alien Kid because he was weird looking. <laughs> so, so that's, that's like the carcass front of the house team. He's just a crazy looking dude. He's amazing, but like you wouldn't peg him to be this professional, high level sound guy. Yeah. He's literally the best tech I've heard in heavy metal. Yeah. But yeah, you, you know, you'd see him walking through the door and you, you wouldn't assume yeah. he, that was you his job. You wouldn't pick him. Yeah. That's yeah. Amazing. And, and actually, they went on tour with Slayer and Slayer poached him. He now does front of house for Slayer. Oh, wow. Okay. But yeah, but if, yeah, if you saw him in a room, you probably wouldn't think mm-hmm. that guy's like the sickest engineer ever, <laughs> which is wicked. I love that. <laughs> so, so where are you in your timeline? So you're, you're I don't know. working I'm in fret music now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm working in fret music, going backwards and forwards, doing touring. Eventually, just left fret music full time and just moved into just doing the touring thing again. Which is hard. Which is very hard. Hard. Yeah, when I started hard road touring. Yeah. Um, and then, at some point. I decided I got bored of tuning everyone else's guitars <laughs> and I wasn't really playing. Firebird wasn't really happening. Firebird had done its thing and I was doing nothing musically. So, yeah, I remember like writing an album as kind of like a therapy thing just to kind of see if I yeah. could do it because I'd never written a song. I'd never written anything. I'd always been the bass player. I'd always learned what I'd been told. Every band I'd ever played for already existed. Even to, even to a degree with Failsafe, they already had riffs, you know. Mm-hmm. I'd never... Yeah, I'd never written anything on Scratch. I thought I'd give it a go, and that's when Keeper's Brew started, and that's, uh, and, so that's when, and that's where we're at now. Which, which year was this then? Probably about 2013 or 14. I started writing that. Mm-hmm. I think it came out in 2014. The album did. I and, and, and everything is you, is it? Or well, I, I, I wrote the sort of the bulk of it, and then I recorded it at Skinny Mammoth Studios on the Isle of Wight because ex-Osric Tentacles drummer Stu Fisher runs that with his mate Dave um, and they were both weird enough in Hull and Courtney Love's band which <laughs> kind of weird yeah. so killer drummer killer studio so I, I kind of took the tunes there and then they kind of taught me how to produce and arrange a little bit because I had no bloody clue what I was doing the songs were a mess and Stu put the drums down Dave put in fact Dave put some guitars and stuff down and then you know a few other people involved like like my best mate Yang came down and put some guitars on but yeah it was a solo project but yeah th- there was definitely a lot of other people filling in the gaps where I can play. <laughs> it's a nice, it's a nice way to the, the circles closing back in the Isle of Wight as well. Yeah, I, I, that's quite I, nice, isn't it? Yeah, I, I, I kind of got a kick out of that. <laughs> yeah, I know I did. That's yeah, that's true. So this we can play, surely. Oh, you can 
play as much of that as you like. Oh. Awesome. Yeah. Okay, but how many albums <laughs> have released as of now? Uh, so there's two full albums and then two remix releases. So the remix stuff is like my my DJ stuff, my dancier stuff. So other artists have remixed it with me or completely. And that's the stuff I take out and do my sort of solo stuff with. And then the the, the full albums is with the full band. So it's with drums and guitars and saxes and all that nonsense. What, what should we play? Yes. I have no idea. Go on. Yeah. Is, there no, is there a standout tune in your mind? I'm always curious. I'm curious mm. of that. You know what I mean? What, what, what would be the first track in your Greatest Hits album? I, I don't know, but I, I, I have a soft spot for a song on the last album called We Are Whole. We Are Whole. Yeah, which is really cool. Is that because the band, band members were in Hull? No. Okay. <laughs> different, li- different spelling. It's a different lineup, actually. Now. Oh, okay, all right. I'd never actually thought about that. That's incredible. But no, completely different lineup. Yeah. Um, no, no, and that's, that's a cool song. And it's um, it's got a different guitar player on it than I use live now. It hasn't got Stu playing on it. It's a different. It's my friend Jake. He played okay. on it and did a wicked job on it. And weirdly, it was the one song when I was writing the album that gave me the most grief. It was like my problem child on the album. Like every time I worked <laughs> on it, I, I hated it. It was stuff wrong. I, it, uh-huh. But now, yeah, I love it. It's yeah, it was worth pulling my hair out over. I think. Um, but yeah, so that's a fun chat. You can listen to okay. that if you All like. Right. We're gonna listen to it now. That's my first, I'm um, de-virginised, that was eight. Oh, brilliant, good. <laughs> Straight in, that's not yeah. exactly, I didn't know what to expect. Cool. That's massive, that's a massive tone. Thank you. And um, my first question is, I want, how do you, how do you approach your songwriting? <sighs> Cautiously. <laughs> no, I don't know, I mean, every, every is it, are you, do you write on the bass? No. Well, write, no, it you... depends actually, each track's kind of different. Um, that one, yes. That uh-huh. one did start off as... You can probably hear it start off as a bass yeah. track. Generally, I start off with drums. All right. I, 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 I love programming drum parts. So, like, that'd be the first thing is drum parts, give myself a thing, and then kind of work on that framework to make some kind of sick bass lines. But even <laughs> when you're creating drums, you're mm. still thinking... Uh, what you bass? No, no, no. no, no, no I'm, no, just, cool. I'm just in drum world. I'm just... Uh, it that's always cool. starts off just for me kind of getting this thing going on that I, I know there's going to be space in for some bass notes I don't know what they're going to be yet until I pick that up but I know that it's going to do the thing you know <laughs> I'm just curious because I'm trying to do it myself <laughs> I, I want to come and see you live I want to see yeah I want to see how that, how that yeah well, live, is, live is weird because obviously 
we've missed out a massive chunk, which is great. I've got a couple of minutes to talk about going deaf and then getting my hearing back and all oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, that's genuine. You actually it, oh, yeah. suffer... We should probably talk about that because it's yeah, kind of the massive. biggest thing that's happened to me in the last 10 years. Okay, okay. And, well, and we've got to avoid that some, whole some, subject. Yeah, no, Mandela, that's... that's Okay, I'll try and condense this because I know we're short on time a bit. But That's fine, that's fine. No. I, so I'd come off this... Well, no, I was, I was on this tour. Fuck. I was stage manager for the Death Crusher tour. Wow, that sounds loud. Yeah. <laughs> so it was, it was uh, Carcass, Obituary, Napalm Death, Voivod. Oh, wow. And another... Um, Herod, a band from Switzerland. Oh. So it was like, you know, it's full on. Um, but I was taking for at least a couple of those bands but I was stage managing the whole thing it, it, it was it was a lot of stuff to do and it was it was a long tour maybe a couple of months or something and it was like one day off and it was at the same time when the Bataclan attacks happened so that was quite a, a, a thing being on tour when you know remember that with the yeah. Eagles Death Metal and all that Eagles stuff de- yeah, Eagles so that, that right. happened and we, we were playing Paris like two days later you know so it was a weird tour very weird headspace no sleep a lot of stuff Came off that, I was home for like 24 hours and then I was going out tour manager. No, I wasn't tour manager. I was guitar teching for Orange Goblin. And I remember we, it was like the third show in or something, we were in Portsmouth and my wife Chrissy was there. And I remember like, we'd gone for like, I don't know, a roast dinner, gone for a carvery or something and got a pint. Nice. Came back, I went up to line check, ready for the band to come on. The guitar sounded muddy. It's like proper muddy. So I was like, ah, that's not good. So I'm trying to dial it and I can't. I think, shit, something's wrong. So I remember getting Joe, the guitar player, out. He's like, oh, no, man, it sounds good. You've just been a perfectionist. You know, it's all good. It's all good. And I'm like, all right, whatever. Go, all right, cool. <laughs> so, like, you know, the intro's rolling. I give him his guitar. He comes out and they're playing. And I'm like, nah, it's still not right. But then I remember, like, it got to a point where I'm like, I can't hear cymbals. Oh, no. That's pretty weird. And then it got to a point where it's like, I can't hear vocal. I can't hear anything. Okay, it's just like two cushions have been put on my ears and there's just nothing, nothing. What, just literally over a yeah. space of 20 seconds or something? No, no, it was, like, down or... it was like slowly over 20 minutes. Oh, okay. That's mad. And two... I felt drunk. I felt really drunk. And I knew I'd had two pints in my dinner. You know, I, know I can drink more than two pints yeah. normally. <laughs> and I felt quite pissed. I was, I, I was freaking out. I couldn't hear anything. That's crazy. And it affected you so, for longer than just that moment? A year. Obviously. Yeah. A year? Yeah. Shit. So yeah, after the end, I, I finished the gig stupidly. I still carried on working because <laughs> I'm a dickhead like that. And then uh, my wife took me home, went to hospital, and uh, they pumped me full of steroids and whatnot. And yeah, it was like a sort of year. I mean, the first six months were almost silence. Then it gradually got better. And then overnight, basically, it sorted itself out. But that's another thing. But it was yeah, a very very dark and difficult time. I can imagine. I mean, my entire working adult life has been in the music world, and then I couldn't hear anything. It was, yeah, yeah, it definitely. Interestingly, though, uh, I won't go into this too much because it's, it's a big subject in itself. But I've always been a little bit different in some certain ways, and when they kind of gave me all those steroids and stuff, it kind of pumped me full of all sorts of stuff, and it, and it, it kind of got my my mental health issues that I wasn't aware of kind of got amplified until they're right, right in the forefront. So, although that was very hard, realising I had all these issues going on, it also was kind of cool too. It, it got it, it into a place where I could deal with it. It was cathartic. In yeah, because it, like, it yeah. explained so much behaviour from like auditorium and loads of stuff that I can never work out why that was weird. So that was cool okay. and bad at the same time. Yeah. Um, 
So I was dealing with all that together, and it turns out the reason my ears weren't working, there was nothing wrong with them. It was a thing that they called conversion disorder, which was my brain telling my ears they didn't work. Wow. Because my brain just wanted me to stop. Just... Go home. It was just, yeah. Stop. It was... <laughs> just... Go home, give, see your kids. Yeah, just Give your wife a hug. Give yourself a break. See yeah, your yeah, dog. Yeah. You know, all yeah. that. All the stuff I was desperate to do, but I couldn't find a way of doing it. Because yeah. I kept trying to... I mean, I must have quit touring like five times over my career, and it never worked. I'd always find... You know, I'd always need the money or something. Yeah, something to, but this, this seemed to be the only thing that just literally made me stop in my tracks. I couldn't work. So, yeah, that, that, was, that was a... Yeah, an interesting thing to go through. That's quite, so that's... that album, the track you just heard, I wrote that when I couldn't hear. So that was kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> well, Beethoven did it. Yeah, but that's... <laughs> so that, wow. that was right. difficult. So I could hear bits and pieces. I had hearing aids which kept getting adjusted. Um, so did they help them? Because if it wasn't yeah, hearing... Yeah, they, they, they did, because they, 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 um, they had my audiogram and things. And what we did was I had these in-ear monitors that I used to use when I was teching. So we, we used the audiogram for my hearing aids onto those so that we could boost the bits. But your ears were fine. My ears were fine, yeah. So how did... I, exactly. I don't know. It's it, mental. You know, uh, <laughs> well, no, literally, it is. I don't know. It's a state of it, mind it, rather than an actual... At the time, me and the doctor still didn't know that it was conversion disorder. Right, okay. At the time, we were all still assuming it's hearing loss. Oh, man. So in my weird mental state, the recovery kind of went the same as it would in, in a... I don't know, it, it was very odd, but... I send you... I would have sent... When they first told you that it was possibly hearing loss, they would have sent you yeah. somewhere very dark. Oh, no, and, and, it, and, it, and it was like that for at least six months oh, when, oh, when we thought it was definitely damage. Yeah. And it took a long time to realise it wasn't damage. It wasn't until... It wasn't the hearing doctors that figured out. It was actually when I was chatting to people about my mental health that they that they said, "Well, that's a thing." Psychological. And, oh wow, and that must have been a big light bulb. Yeah. So I, I was in this meeting where they were giving me my uh, diagnosis as having bipolar and other stuff going on, and it was them that said, "Also, oh, you've got conversion disorder." This is this is you know they kind of figured out the missing pieces, and like people in wheelchairs can have this. Like, there'd be nothing wrong with them. Wow. But, their brain, but their brain is telling them something is. Wow, okay. Oh, bloody hell. Power so, of the mind. Yeah. So, yeah, anyway, so all that nonsense was going on. And at the time, I was starting a new lineup for Keeper's Brew. It was all fresh start. And uh, my drummer lived like just down the road from me. So, we moved all my gear into his spare bedroom. And that's when we wrote the album. So, I got a sub pack. Do you remember that? You know, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, they're amazing. Yeah. So, like this wearable sub. So, like, right. you know, like, you play and you can feel the frequencies. Okay. So that was cool. That was nice. And then I got lots of visualizers, and then I had all the yeah. I was just about to ask that. Were you visualizing the WAV files? Yeah. So like all the different kind of spectra, was, spectra yeah. analyzers, all that wow. stuff. Um, but at the same time, I was kind of learning how to produce because the first album I didn't do much of the production. That was someone else. This time round, I was kind of learning that as well. So that was kind of weird trying to learn how to produce an album where you can't really hear it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, it's not the easiest thing to start. Yeah, yeah. That's an idiot. That is unique. But there was definitely moments sat there with like my drummer, like while we're working on tracks, like that is a flute, isn't it? You're like, nah, mate. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, nah, that's definitely not a flute. All right, all right cool, I'll try something else. So, so how did your hearing come back then? How did you, how did you get to the point? So, so this is interesting. So uh, one morning, uh, my, my youngest, Noah, came and got into bed with me. Started talking to me and I started talking back. Ah. 
and I didn't even twig. But my hearing aids at this point, my hearing aids have been a- been enabling me to actually be able to communicate quite fine. My hearing had started to improve quite. You know, it was fine. I could wear hearing aids. It was fine. I could deal with it. Yeah. But they were on my bedside table. I didn't have them in my ears. Ah, it's good. Spooked you right out of that. Well, I didn't even notice. He noticed. He's uh, like, Dad, you haven't got your ears in. Uh, what? Yeah. No, That's I haven't. That's... And, and, and funny enough, I, like Chrissy was saying that a couple of times in the night when I'd go and use the loo or get a glass of water, I'd come back into the bedroom and talk to her. And it happened like a couple of times and she just didn't know how to talk to me about it or, or know what to say. Wow. It kind of freaked her out. Yeah. I'd come back in without my hearing aids in and talk to her and have a conversation and go to bed because I'd be kind of sleepwalking or half asleep and not really aware of it. So, yeah, that's when we found out what was actually going on, the conversion wow. thing and all that nonsense. Uh, so, yeah, so that was what was going on when I was writing that. That's um, wild. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, without, I'd just like to slip in a compliment there. You should be deaf more often. <laughs> that's, a, that's a bloody good track but, but, you know what I mean it's I mean, to be honest though like once the, the hearing got better and better I, 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 I go back and listen to mix and I, yeah okay <laughs> I'll, just, I'll fix that another time yeah and, and, and I also didn't know what I was doing so like going around to my producer friend's house and they're, you know, they're seeing the looks of horror on their faces at the sound of my snare drums oh man yeah <laughs> Yeah. So, so yeah. So that's kind of where Keepers Brews at now. I can I can now hear again. We're gigging again. New lineup. Um, just start writing your album. So what's the lineup? Um, well, this is complicated as always. But, um, <laughs> the idea of Keepers Brew is it works either as me kind of on my own doing a solo thing, which is kind of like DJing a little bit of synth and far too much bass guitar, and then there's a three piece which is with Stu Brewer on guitar mm-hmm. and Steve Mitchell on drums. And that, that's kind of the core thing now. That's kind of, we're a three-piece okay. for most of the time. But then a couple of times a year, like we've got a couple of festivals coming up and then we've got a, a show in November coming up where I've got where we're headlining and I've got the, the budget and the space to have the full band when we then had a sax player and we had a vocalist doing backing vocals and things. And yeah, so it's good oh, for Oh, wow. Them. So you could be flexible, though. Yeah. That's yeah. kind of cool, isn't it? Yeah. So you can fit into any whatever. That's good. And also, you know, like I said before, I touched on being kind of bipolar, my head's a bit odd. So <laughs> it's kind of good knowing that I've got these different things I'm going depending on where my mood is at <laughs> and, how, and how I'm functioning that day. Yeah, yeah. So that works, you know. Uh, I think, yeah, the next thing we're doing in Southampton, yeah, I think that it probably isn't till June. I think it's like June the 9th or something like that. Okay, right? Which is that? Oh, cool. That's actually a really fun show because um, apart from Silas Neptune from Osric Tentacles who's playing, everybody else is Southampton and there's some great artists playing, like ridiculous really? talent playing. It's from insane. Southampton. All Southampton. Good. Because yeah. really. I don't need to do that article that's been going around Facebook saying, mm. is it Giles or Giles Peterson? Mm. He came, he came and, and um, tried to look for some talent in Southampton for some show or something and left recruiting nobody because there's no talent in Southampton well maybe he's looking in the wrong places because I mean the lineup I've seen for so many shows lately there's so many good bands so many good bands yeah, uh, uh, yeah I mean maybe there's not what he was looking for but there's definitely no, yeah, playing, well, yeah. there's always been lots of talent well, that's uproar, and the good thing about that was that I noticed people came onto Facebook saying well hold on what about these guys and what about these guys and what about these guys and then suddenly this, this like an upsurge mm. of all the talent was brought to the surface because of this article mm. I definitely know 
and I, I guess I can say this because I have toured all over the bloody world in one way or another, there are definitely lots of world-class musicians in Southampton. A lot of them. That's good. Um, yeah, which is always nice to... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Seeing as it's the place we all call home. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so. Exactly, exactly. Um, yes. So I'm guessing, listening mm. from the music, that um, there's a lot of... Uh, actually, no, actually, well, okay. This, this brings in something else I was going to ask you. I was going to say there must be a lot of cool visual effects and light shows and it's not just about the music there must no, be it's the whole thing but um, the question I was going to ask you was about um, your first album when you released it <laughs> talk to us about the domes oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> what so like the, 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 I need to know this when, what is this when I wrote the first album I was I, <laughs> I've got this book <laughs> and it's like my bedside reading book and it, it's for well it's not for kids because of the subject matter but it looks like it's for kids it's, <laughs> it's a book on cults <laughs> Right. And that's my favourite subject to read at bedtime. Yeah. It's normal behaviour. <laughs> and I got obsessed with the Heaven's Gate cult. Do you know them? They're my favourite. No. They're good, they are. Good <laughs> anyway, I got really obsessed with them and I kind of wrote an album mostly about them. Okay. Um, I'm getting really sidetracked here, which is great. So, <laughs> oh yeah. So, they, they were a UFO cult. Okay. So I thought, well, the album's finished. I've got to do a weird launch party. And I couldn't quite get my head around what to do. So then I... I for some reason I had this idea in fact I think Chrissy came up with the first bit of it and then it spiraled out of control so I hired which is when you got involved <laughs> yeah well I got involved see, 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 the thing is I was trying to hire a submarine did you know you can hire a submarine for two grand a day wow that's going yeah, but you can only get like two people in it, so it would have got really expensive and time consuming. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I thought, how many times would I have had to done the set? So that was exactly. enough. <laughs> I tried to rent a mental asylum, I tried to rent a lighthouse, I was trying to find all these cool things. So in the end, I ended up hiring up uh, a, a TA army barracks, which we then lit up green from the outside, hired some soldiers with guns and the whole thing. And then I sent everyone that was going to come to the launch party a boarding pass instead of a ticket, All right. which just kind of confused them. And uh, when they came inside, I'd put up these two massive inflatable planetarium domes. So as they walked in, there's like this archway that takes them into their dome where they're given some silent disco headphones and like a pillow or something. And like, they lay down and uh, I'm in another dome with all my gear playing. Playing. And I've written these visuals that are sort of 360 degree all immersive. And yeah, everyone kind of lies cool. down and spaces out. And I mean, you have a <laughs> tent doing all sorts That's of amazing, nonsense. That's amazing, isn't it? That's amazing. Yeah, we've done, we, we've done a couple more of them and it, it is really cool. Like we did another one for the launch of this album. And what was great about it was I can't think of another way of doing a gig where everybody's going to listen without talking, without going to yeah. the bar. Without yeah. all that nonsense, actually sitting and Engage. consuming the album. Yeah, that's a very good point, isn't it? it? You know, and I couldn't think of how else to do that, so it kind of worked, <laughs> and very psychedelic. And I think certainly some people at the last one definitely had enhanced that experience other ways too. So it was kind of cool. <laughs> um, so yeah, <laughs> and fair enough. <laughs> yeah, um, and yeah, the last tour we did, we did a tour in December and. Yeah, the visuals for that were insane as well. Lots of projection mapping and things. I like. I like. Didn't you do one in a circus tent or something? No, I, I, I turned the talking heads into a circus tent. That's it. That's what I'm thinking about. <laughs> That's a weird show. Yeah, we, I, I put on this Keepers Brew and Friends psychedelic circus, and we had like a 
bloke on stilts and fire breathing and burlesque dancers and people doing magic and that was kind of fun whilst we're playing psychedelic music yeah, yeah that's cool yeah <laughs> This is what you missed out when you were in Australia. I know, this is why I'm, yeah, I'm just learning now. This yeah. is great. This is great. You went to Australia and I just lost the plot. That's perfect. That's perfect. Sadly, I went to Australia and lost the plot also. So that's full circle. Full circle. No, no, no. I'll definitely, definitely be checking that out more. So when did you say June 9th? Um, that's the next Southampton gig is June 9th. Okay. Yeah. We're going. We're going. Yeah, no, we're, we're there. We're, we're there. Yeah, 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 for sure. And the other acts on there. For sure. Yeah, you'll love it. You'll absolutely love it. Right. No, yeah, Maybe not I'm, us. I mean, no, I can't, no, can't guarantee how that will go. <laughs> but the other acts are very good. <laughs> I'll just watch Stu Brewer play guitar as long as a treat, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Watch, watch, band, is, watch the, the trademark Stu Brewer wiggle. Yeah, from all angles. We got to get we got to get Stu Brewer on here. You have yeah. to. You have to. to. I mean, actually, getting him involved was definitely like the missing piece of the puzzle with Keepers Brew. He's amazing, isn't he? Well, I've played with him in the past, obviously, in like Vinyl Frontier and Elementalist and all oh, that yeah, stuff, which we didn't, again, we didn't oh, talk yeah, about. Yeah, that's another chunk we've missed out. Um, <laughs> but he's the only guitar player I know that kind of approaches musically in a, music in a similar way I do. He's he's quite out there. Like His, his influences are as wide as they can be. He definitely listens to this. To what? To the podcast. Oh, he's an idiot. So he's, he's, he's an head, idiot and he smells. Yeah, I hope he's not in his car. <laughs> I hope he's not in his car because his head will be so big he won't be able to get back out of it. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> but no, you're getting, you're getting him involved was, was a really interesting move because, you know, new lineup and whatnot. Uh, it was really, yeah, quite refreshing having somebody in the band that's not thinking normally. Because <laughs> then it's not just me that's mental. So that's quite helpful. <laughs> <laughs> but it's good because in, in the world at the moment where we're at, we are... Is oversaturated the right word? But there's a lot of music out there. There is a hell of a lot of music out there. And, and there's a lot of good music out there too. Though. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I mean, mm. in, the, in you being so involved in the music mm. industry, you must have seen the difference that the internet and Spotify and Bandcamp and mm. a lot of good it's brought. But also, it just, just means there's a lot of stuff to sift through before you oh, get... Oh, it's mad. And doing things like what you're doing with the Keepers Brew stuff. It's hard, man. It's very hard to do something that is left... Of center, but does it mean it, does it mean that it bubbles to the surface a bit more because people are actually that's a bit different. I'm going to listen to that rather than I don't, I don't know actually. Uh, that's a good question. I don't I don't actually know the answer to that, but maybe because there must be with so much music happening, it must be hard to find something unique and original. Yeah, I I think the one thing some people have said about Keepers Brew is the fact that it's not just it's not dance music, it's not prog music, it's not it's kind of. It kind of encompasses a lot of stuff. I think. I think maybe it's a little bit more accessible to some people that might have been turned off by psychedelic music in the past. I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah. But all these events and everything, mm. um, it definitely um, it shows a, a bit more imagination and a bit more thought process. I know you call it like cr- craziness and mm. like and that, but but also the planning must be. Yeah, but. I guess that's me taking on all the stuff from my day job and wanting to use as much of it as I can in my band. Yeah. Um, which is sometimes completely out, out of order and impractical and not right. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes it does pay off. But yeah, you know, obviously when I'm, you know, I'm doing tours with massive bands that are doing arenas and they've got lighting directors, they've got VJs, they've got mapping, they've got all the cool shit. Yeah. Uh, and then I come and do a gig and I want it. Yeah, because yeah, I've been doing it for months yeah. for someone else. Rightly so. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, I want some cool shit, but, <laughs> but then you, you know you're playing a hundred and fifty cap venue. You're not playing a hundred thousand people in an arena. So trying to then kind of condense all that technology into something that's not ridiculous is that's that's definitely the challenge. Is trying to take like an arena light show and 
yeah. know, make it tourable in a car. <laughs> <laughs> but I've always liked that in in any band that's got yeah. it's broader than music. It's just the mm. cool creativity. This the whole bubble. Yeah, I mean, I love yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, we talk about Tool. You know, I mean, like remember when they first started years and years and years yeah. ago, getting a new album cover from. Let alone the music. The album cover was cool. The music yeah. was cool. Everything about yeah. them was cool. That you know the. Stage show is cool, you know what I mean? It's, it's more than just the music it really nowadays. Is. And I, I think so. I love I mean, it. Well. I, I remember, like, I'm ashamed to say this, but I finally saw Primus a few years ago. Oh, wow. Considering how, like, Les yeah. Claypool was my ultimate musical hero, I hadn't actually seen which, it until, like, uh, two years ago. Or which something. album was out? Uh, which, the, which one were they saw? The Chocolate Factory. All oh, right. And that was, that, again, that, that was one of the most magical experiences ever. So, like, they did, like, a normal set in front of the curtain, then the curtain came back. And it was there was the chocolate factory, yeah. infl- inflatable mushrooms, and pull and yeah. a lot. Oh wow! <laughs> and yeah, yeah. And I, I like when yeah. bands do that when they put in the effort to exactly. really give somebody a treat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so tell, tell us about this gig in London coming up that you're putting on. Okay, so it's potentially at the Black Heart in Camden because it's a, a venue I like, and I mm-hmm. think the PA system sounds brilliant. But whatever. Uh, the idea behind it is it's a charity event, and it's to raise money for a new musician's mental health charity uh, which obviously is something that's important for a lot of people and certainly close to, to me and from what I understand it, the idea is it's kind of similar to like the Samaritans but the guy on the phone has been on tour <laughs> <laughs> you know so when you're losing your mind and you, and, and you think that the world is awful the guy can just tell you no actually bus, bus drivers are all hard work <laughs> it's not you and and no the, the singer didn't need that brand of conditioner or, 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 or whatever you know they can get through and go yeah and you probably shouldn't have smoked whatever that was you know they, they can get to the you know and, and I think that's really important because there are definitely times on the road where that would help me definitely would have helped me mm-hmm. and in fact I can I know there would have been times on the road for people that I used to talk with where it would have saved their lives and they're no longer here well all right. What about the light of recent events of like Chris Cornell, the big mm-hmm. guys, you know, exactly, oh, exactly. Chester, yeah. Scott Wayland, all those guys. They, yeah, they, they I, probably I, could have. It's, you know, it could they, have, it could have helped a lot of people. You know, yeah. Um, and I, I, you know, obviously from the outset, working in the music industry, touring just looks like a massive jolly. Yeah. But it, creative people often tend to be kind of fragile anyway. Mm. Not all, but a yeah. lot of them are. And then you put into that all the other stuff we've talked about, the hours away from home, drinks, substances, yeah, lack of sleep. There's constant. enough stuff to make things hard. And you're in a weird bubble. You're not in reality. You're in this strange bubble. It, it, and it doesn't work for everybody. And having just this thing when you have on speed dial, where yeah. you give them a call and go, look, guys, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking dark stuff. You know, I'm having a horrible time. The idea is that they can get you past that and get you home and get you on a flight. And wow, what a great idea! You know, good. it will it save lives. It will definitely it, save is lives. Is it a new charity then? Isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. So you're putting a gig to raise money for it, to raise awareness for it. So yeah, the idea is we're going to play um, in London, do a show uh, with Zub Zub, which is another uh, ex-Oswick Tentacle project, which is bloody brilliant, mm-hmm. and another band called Eclipse from Southampton. And the idea is just yeah, just to raise money for that charity, just to help them get out there and get the thing moving. Because it, yeah, I can't think of a better charity. I really can't. No, <laughs> Not for me personally. Yeah, though, for, you know, yes, for so yourself. Close. Yeah, exactly. So close to home. That's yeah. Perfect. So you know, it, 
what would be great is once I've got a confirmation of the date, I can let you guys know. You can tell people because it's going to be really cool. I mean, it's a free yeah. gig. People just go throw some money in the bucket if they like it. You know, oh, free gig. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's oh, free. Fantastic. Yeah, it's free entry. All the acts are amazing. They've all agreed to do it for. So can you tell us who it is? Or the, the, who's playing? Sorry, uh, Zub Zub, the band. I told. I said just two seconds ago. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I get you oh, back. Listening. Oh, listening. I get you back now for not recognising you in music world when you were. <laughs> no, yeah, uh, yeah. Tell so us about sub 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 Which tell us about sub sub. Wow, he will, he will hate me for telling you this. Um, so sub sub is Zia, long time bass player for Osric Tentacles band. He was basically my idol bass player before I joined the band, and this is what he does now. It's an electronic project with him, two other chaps. But the interesting thing about Zia. I can't even say this because I'm not sure if you'd like to people knowing this or not. Have you seen Indiana Jones, Temple of Doom? Of course. Yeah. You know the Indian prince? Yeah. That's him. That's <laughs> <laughs> way. Yeah. That, that was what he did before Osrix, I guess. I don't really know. I've never what? really broached the subject with him. I don't, know, I don't even know if it's something he talks about or not. I, 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 push, I don't know. <laughs> that's that's so, quite amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know how I don't, I don't know any more than that about that subject but yeah I do still find that fascinating that the bass yeah, player from Osrix was also the wow. <laughs> the weird little Indian prince in Temple of Doom <laughs> so yeah so even if you don't want to give any money to mental charity and you think we're all crazy and you don't like my band you should at least go and see him check out the yeah. sing the Indiana uh, yeah. Steam tune album yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> oh man <laughs> Well, thank you very much for coming. That's all right. Thank you for having me. Yeah, um, no. We've been going on nearly an hour and a half, which wow. is amazing. That's I still have so many time. more things to ask you. Yeah, sorry it's all a bit disjointed, but you can imagine there's quite a lot of fuzzy chunks in there <laughs> yeah, for I, various reasons. I think that's the nature you. of these webcasts, or sort of, yeah. you know, these podcasts, whatever. They're, they're, yeah, about as disjointed as, <laughs> as they come, which is perfect. We need to get you back and do like a best of, best of tales of tour. Okay. That's, yeah. That sounds like a good idea. I'll, 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 go, I'll go through them all and, 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 and get the ones that are actually okay for. Change the names where you need to. Change all the names. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's no, a very no incrimination. Idea. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, o- o- ostrich testicles and things. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> so the first thing you heard on this podcast was a weird little like, kind of bleepy arpeggiated synthy kind of sound. Actually, that was Graham. He's brought this amazing instrument in for us to play for us. <laughs> Do you want me to make some more noises? Can I make some more noises on it? Boy! There's the squelch! <laughs> Love it! <laughs> and also, to finish off, there is a story of um, a newly, um, newly written as yet unreleased the Keeper's Brew track. Yeah. Perhaps. You're arming and arming over this. What well, do you think? Like, if you give me another beer, I might be tempted to let you have a listen to it. Yeah. All right. Okay, that's the deal. Yeah. It, we, we, that's the deal. It, yeah, we wrote it kind of yesterday and today, really. So Does it have a name yet or a working title? Or Yeah, it's called Cypolar. Okay. <laughs> All right. Cool. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So we always finish on um, an outro track to say goodbye to I've people. I've only got that set up. You want to hear the same thing again? It's absolutely fine. Are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here you go. All right. Okay. But then there'll be yeah. a few minutes, a few seconds of silence, and then we're going to introduce Cypola. 
Okay. Oh, right. okay. We're going to do that. Preview. It's going to be like a bonus track at the end of the podcast. All right. I'll, I might give you bits of it because I still haven't decided whether it's one song or two because it gets a okay. bit too weird even for me. Which... <laughs> <laughs> That's um, now I'm curious. It, well, it <laughs> ends up sounding like Primus jamming with the Prodigy, and that's yes. kind of odd. That's, that's great. <laughs> that's, that's exactly of everything I've ever wanted. <laughs> <laughs> And I blame Stu Brewer for all of it. That's perfect. Yeah, well, we can blame yeah. it for anything. It's perfect. <laughs> He's cool with it. So, um, I'm going to pick some lyrics out of oh. Carl's Amazing Notebook this time. Oh, okay, really? I don't think there's um, any left. Sh- do you want me to just play this same weird synth sequence and let you uh, freestyle, Carl? <laughs> oh, you've actually got... You've actually got I thought you were joking. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, no, this is a book from about... I don't know, 12 years ago. Amazing. It's, no, it's embarrassing. Sure. Oh, do, do you know what I think you should do if you run out of lyrics? You just see if you can get like, all your old school reports. Yeah, get it. Read them out. Read just, them out. Yeah. In, a, in a melodic sense. Yeah. Carl hangs out with the wrong crowd. <laughs> Could have tried better. <laughs> Could have been a nice student apart from Kevin, his shit mate. <laughs> uh, sorry, Kevin, I don't know you, but I think it's out of order. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what are these lyrics about Carl before we get there? I have no idea I think you've chosen oh my god it's just bad if I chose them. yeah <laughs> you always choose bad <laughs> it says chorus so it's going to be bad okay okay alright alright well I'll just alright I'll fade this in give us some synths hang on it's exactly the same thing again because I'm really lazy and can't be asked to program another sequence that was <laughs> sorry that was fat Can I go? You know that um that advert with the rabbits. Yeah, the Duracell ones. Or... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what you got? Get your mic. Get your guitar mic'd up. That's good. Some things are better this way. Other things need changing from day to day. And I would think that you should be pleased because of all your normalities. <laughs> I'm sorry, that was quite lame of me. I, I, was, I really should have programmed some more notes. <laughs> no, that was magic. Uh, yeah, I, I was probably some of the best vocals I've heard in a long time, man. <laughs> Should we join my band?